well, I started from the bottom and I struggled and I had to work hard. So you need to like break your back too. Like if anything, isn't it, I broke my back so you don't have to. Now, hey everyone, this is Seated with Strangers where we explore the topics of unsubscribing from pop culture and social norms. Today, this is the after party. We have some strangers that came together during a viewing party of this episode and you get to listen into their perspective. Check it out. I want to talk about the next generation and do we think that this generation is entitled and whose fault is that? Go ahead, Amanda. I saw you unmuted first. Personally, I think, yes, this generation is a little entitled, but I blame us. <laughs> I know me as a parent, I have two kids and I know how I grew up and I didn't want to raise them in the same way I was raised because there were so many deficiencies in my childhood that I saw that I was like, okay, when I'm going to be a parent, I'm going to be different. Coming up from where I came up from, um, single parent household, but I was not taught about finances. I wasn't taught how to manage money, how to pay your bills on time. It was truly struggle mode. With it being struggle mode, that's all you knew until you come into an atmosphere where that just doesn't play out. That doesn't work. And so I plan on leaving my children something. I think it's very important, not just financially, but also emotionally leaving them something. Mentally, educational-wise, leaving them a legacy of where when I'm gone, not only will you have something, but you'll know how to manage it. And so I think it's us now as millennial parents, we want to make things easy. We want to make things convenient for our children. That's just my sentiment. But I think we also have to teach them life and how to life and teach them how to manage what we are leaving behind. And if you don't trust your children, as they were saying, there could be a number of reasons why Anderson Cooper's mom may not have left them. Let's say they have a drug problem. Let's say something's going on with that. At least leave it in a trust to where it can be dispersed properly. I have no children but myself. However, <laughs> so I can't really speak too much in terms of like parenting values outside of what I know, right? But, you know, someone once said, what one generation does in moderation, the next will do in excess. You know, it can be easy to look at Zoomers, as they're called, and say, oh, well, all they want Generation Z, right? Zoomers. I thought they were also Generation Glass, but you know, it's easy to look at them and be like, "Oh, well, they just like TikToking all day, and you know, they they want everything for nothing, and you know, kids don't want to go to college; they just want to be influencers because they think that's the quickest way to make you know a full time living without having to do much of anything." You know, and a lot of kids are, you know, they're making a lot of money on YouTube and streaming with Twitch and Discord and all this stuff. And so it's easy to be like, oh, well, you know, these kids or I mean, hey, boomers say that about millennials, right? They're entitled. They, they don't work hard. They, you know, and for me, I'm like, kids are sponges, right? They're sponges and then they become their own thing. And so if they're carrying themselves in a certain way, it's because of what they've both seen, <laughs> what has been presented to them just throughout daily life, you know, in their households and also what they see around with their peers and their aunties and, you know, their friends, parents and all that. And so, you know, the conversation, I find it interesting that they're 
you know, as I was listening to the podcast episode, and I don't want, I don't want to say anything that's necessarily like, you know, disrespectful or offensive, but I found, I find it interesting how there was more favor towards leaving behind a legacy emotionally versus leaving behind financial inheritance where, and that does come from that sense of we give more favor to the hustle grind started from the bottom. We work our whole lives. We don't vacation, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we scrapped together and we made a, we made a living versus, you know, looking down upon those who worked really hard, but don't necessarily want that for their kids. Now I live, you know, I was raised on the East coast and I was raised in suburbia. You know what I mean? And so, and not only was I raised in suburbia, I was raised closer to the more affluent side of suburbia. So I grew up, you know, watching parents, yes, who had businesses or who were, you know, who just had very, um, very good professions. And they did pass on, you know, just about everything that they could to their kids, you know? And so I, I grew up with friends who got whatever they wanted, basically. Now, as teenagers, obviously, they would do whatever, but they were also taught, you know, like these kids are also taught in-house how to manage, how to do this, how to do that. And so I don't see, I guess for me personally, I don't see why you struggled and there's an, an, there's an innate part of you that wants to pass down a part of the struggle, I guess is my, is my thing. Like, like if you already went through it and you knew it was rough, pass down lessons, absolutely. But why is there a need for, well, I started from the bottom and I struggled and I had to work hard. So you need to like break your back too. Like if anything, isn't it, I broke my back so you don't have to. Now I'm going to teach you what to do with what I leave you, but you don't have to break your back and go through this thing. Like, you know, as an immigrant, our families did not leave Haiti and come here for us to struggle the same way they did when they were in Haiti and they came over here. You know what I mean? And so I guess that's just my thoughts on it. But yeah, I also don't blame the next generation. Like, and I, I don't think it's just, oh, entitlement. I think it's also a thing of like, they're also mimicking what they see. You know what I mean? So that's just my thoughts. All right, Whitney, go ahead. I love that, um, Stephanie, that you talked about that kind of interesting thing that people want to pass on the struggle and I think it's, I think it's characteristic of certain generations. So for work, I do a lot of generational studies. And right now, the studies that we're doing, um, I, I work in higher ed. So we're recruiting Gen Z to college and they're being parented by Generation X. And so some of the, the studies that we're doing around Generation X is that they're called the forgotten generation. They are the creators of hip hop and grunge, which are considered to be some of the most uh, angry, political, you know, those types of genres. And so it's very characteristic of how they see the world as people didn't look out for us. We had to look out for ourselves. We were latchkey kids, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think a lot of the backlash that I often see about Gen Z and about passing on wealth it, it comes from very specific generational type and and I think it comes from a place of love and that they want them to learn how to work hard but I think it also is also from what they had to experience they had to 
do so much and it had to be so hard and they had to do without and the world was in a lot of turmoil during their formative years so it's hard for them to conceive that kids aren't going to have to do that and so it's hard to kind of break that barrier and to to get them to a place of understanding that you do want to leave your kids in a better place than what you are like you you want them to have it easier. Like I I feel like personally, my mission in life, I don't have children, but I have nieces and nephews. I don't want them to have to struggle with the same stuff I struggled with. And I think that we have to detach ourselves from not wanting people to have it easy because we had it hard. It's not fair. And I think it, it really just creates these generational fights and friction that doesn't have to be there. Um, our responsibility to the generations coming behind us, in my opinion, is that we do make it easier, that we make the path more straight. But I was going to ask, why do we glorify making others struggle? And I like that you said that, Whitney, but it made me think, where where did it change? Because I got a sports car for my 16th birthday. And that's that's the thing. You're You're probably raised by boomers. And boomers were raised by... Um, the generation they were raised by are very aspirational. They are very uh, civically minded. Whereas Gen X was raised uh, by a generation of people who had to endure um, Great Depression, things of that nature. So they're very, in World War II, and so they're like hoarding resources. So it it all, it skips a generation. There's a a generation of givers, and and they birth givers. And then there's holders, and they birth holders. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the pattern that we're seeing. Mm, That's good. Okay, so then my question is, because I'm not a parent yet, I do have nephews. So, and this is for, you know, this is just dialogue for all of us. So if we're saying right now that we feel like reasonably the kids coming up are entitled, what does it look like for us to be able to like, okay, we want to leave you better off. And I don't want you to be like, I don't want you to have to work so hard to a detriment, right? I I want you to have some ease. So is there something they're missing that we're not giving them? Are we so trying to overcompensate for like what happened in our life that we're not also teaching them like basic, like this is how you are a good steward over your money. This is how you make good decisions. Like, are we not having that conversation? Go ahead, Kylie. So yes, I, I definitely think that we overcompensate. And then also we have to think about there's so much more access to everything now um, than what we had when we were growing up. And so, and sometimes, you know, we can't, really control that access the way that we want to, right? And when I say that, you know, I, I don't mean just specifically, you know, social media and, you know, devices and things like that. When they go to school, you know, they are exposed to people who have been exposed to, you know, certain things. And so they get access that way as well. And so I think from that access, right, there comes that entitlement because they get everything, anything that they want, and they get it fast, right? Like my children, it's like, they're like, mom, what's, you know, so-and-so, right? And then I'm like, well, I'm not not really sure. Can I see your phone? And they'll look it up real quick and they have that information, right? 
And so, and if I say, get the dictionary and look it up, it's like, it, it's, it's, it's like I said, a cuss word, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because why when Siri, what's her name? Siri, can I say that? <laughs> because Siri is going to tell me what I want to know real quick, or your phone is going to tell me what I want to know real quick. And so when, when I say entitlement, that's what <clears throat> entitled, that's what I mean. They have access to information that we had to really search and dig for, go to the library and find a book or go and look in the newspaper, right? And so, and, and I teach in higher ed as well. And, you know, it's like my students, if, you know, they have an assignment or something due and they don't do it, it's like, uh, when can I make it up? Not, can I make it up? Like, when can I make it up? You're, you're entitled. <laughs> or you feel as if you're entitled because who's to say that I'm going to let you make it up, you know? So it's just, it's just the attitude. And I know that, that that's not about wealth, but it's just the attitude. And I think it stems from having so much access to information. And I think one of the ways that we can kind of help them along is to, you know, I, I like the saying where it says, if you give a man fish, he'll eat for a day. If you teach a man how to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. And so that's one of the things that I um, like to go by, you know, when I'm teaching my children, you know, it's, it's not about what I can get, right? But it's, let me give you this mindset of wealth, right? Let me give you this mindset of, okay, I know that I can have anything I want, but there, there is going to be certain steps that I need to take, or there is a certain degree of work that I am going to have to put in. But definitely, I want to make this life easier for them than what it is that I had. I too, you know, came from a single parent and, and you know, we know how that goes, but why would I not leave them? Because ultimately what I'm doing, I'm doing it for them, right? Busting my behind for them. So why would I put myself through all of this and then just to cut my legacy, <laughs> you know, at a certain point because I'm being selfish. Like, why would, why would I do that? And so if we have the mindset of, you know, yes, I'm going to leave them something, but I'm also going to teach them how to take that and grow it so that generations and generations and generations from now that they are going to be able to benefit. So I, I, want, I want that to go beyond just my children. I want my great, great, great grandchildren to be able to benefit from the legacy that I leave behind. And I, I want to talk about like legacy really quickly, because do you think that we are not having conversations with legacy because we aren't doing our due diligence or we feel guilty because we're not, we haven't made the best decisions to I guess leave a, a legacy because, you know, we, when I was listening to the conversation with the episode, I just was thinking about how it was very clear. And this is like no judgment on anybody because all of our families are different, but it was very clear how they talked about how their grandparents left like land and they know that that's a conversation. So like, are we really doing, and this isn't about like, we don't want our 
kids to be success successful and have money or our nieces and nephews or whoever we want to leave money behind but is it a really a gap like a wealth gap and that's why we're not having a conversation because we feel like it's not attainable I just said a lot but I hope y'all got what I was saying <laughs> I, I think I don't think it's a wealth gap I think it's a literacy gap right I didn't grow up having certain conversations I mean I'm having them now and, you know, my mom is super open, you know, because I was also raised in a single family home. And mom is like super open about it. She's like, you know, Steph, no one had this conversation with me. You know, no one showed me how to do this. No one, no one did this. Like I had to, she was like, I, you know, there are some mistakes I just had to swallow because I, I had to learn in real time. And, and so like, we're having these conversations that I think, you know, because that's, that's another thing too. And that's a cultural thing I, I, I'm also seeing is that, you know, like, as I was listening to the podcast, I was hearing their, their perspectives on wealth, but then I'm like, but you also had different conversations growing up. Like you're able to have this perspective now because when you were a child, someone sat you down, like even at church, we went to eat the friend that I was speaking to. She was raised in uh, Kentucky, I believe, very like a very rural, rural area in Kentucky. And she was like, you know, when we were growing up, we had these conversations constantly, like money conversations. And so when she had her daughters, you know, those are, that's one of the first things that they, that they talked about in the house was money, <laughs> but, you know, we, you know, we're not able to do different because we just didn't have those conversations. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I really think it's not, it's not necessarily a, oh, we didn't have them, you know, it's not just like a wealth thing is what I'm trying to say. I think it's, it's more of a, we didn't have this education, so we couldn't even pass it down to you. And it's like Kalia mentioned earlier, the, like that kind of education was not even accessible for, you know, many people of color, you know what I mean? Who were growing up, you know, post-World War II, post-Great Depression, post, you know, Voting Rights Act and all of that. Like those, that, like that kind of information was not accessible. And so because it wasn't accessible, it couldn't be had in the home. And so now our generations are like, okay, we need to do better, but we're learning now, you know what I mean? To pass on the information. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I definitely think it's an information gap, but I think if we're being realistic, there definitely is a wealth gap, like just statistically speaking. I think the the numbers are like, Black households only have about 12% uh, on average, the wealth of, you know, a white household. And so uh, sometimes I have to remind myself that people exist outside of like the glitz and glam of social media, of the celebrity world that like real people, you know, exist who don't have salaried jobs, who don't have, you know, a consistent um, income, and there really is a wealth gap. And I think they, it's been reported that like it widened um, by like 2% during the pandemic. And so I think we have to keep that top of mind when we talk about passing on, on wealth and, and wealth education is that some groups in this country are at a disadvantage and we're playing catch up like we have just been able to begin to build wealth that other groups were 
three or four or five generations ahead. And so it is, it's difficult to have a conversation when you're still a novice in the arena. You know, if we're being honest, like my grandmother's grandmother was a slave. So she was in survival mode my grandmother as a as a young person um her you know my my dad and his brothers of course maybe they did better but like we are not that far removed from being enslaved people and so yes there is just realistically a, a wealth gap and we don't know what we don't know unfortunately um Kalia, you can go ahead. And and something I want to say uh, before you say that we don't don't know what we don't know. But also, do you believe that when we do know and we do find out, we don't share? Um. Yes, I do. Because if you look at and read about the wealthy black elite of America, um, there was a a, a conscious effort to keep the group tight and small. All right, Kalia, go ahead. That's interesting. Yes. You know, I was going to give perspective, Stephanie. <laughs> Go ahead, Kalia. Yes, I, I definitely agree. So I, I agree with what um, Stephanie and Whitney said in regards to like, we lack the wealth literacy. Um, and, and I feel that way because I think a lot of the focus in regards to wealth is on money in our communities, to be honest. Like that's what we think, we think about money, we think about, you know, those tangible material things that, you know, the cars and the clothes and the shoe, you know, that when we see somebody, you know, who's dressed up and who, you know, has the latest car, we look at that and say it's wealth, but really it's not. And so who's having those conversations to say, no, this is wealth, the land, right? I didn't really think about land as, being wealth until one of my pastors said a few years ago, he said, they're not making any more land. And so the fact that they're not making any more land, it is going to be a rare resource at some point, right? And so if you have a piece of land, right, that somebody wants, that is wealth, because guess what, then they're going to do what they're going to pay you. <laughs> right. And if it comes to a point where land is rare, they're going to pay you a lot of money, right, for that particular resource. And so I think the conversations that we're having about wealth is not about the right kind of wealth, right? Let's have something that is going to be worth something because we know that the, the dollar is not really worth anything, right? It's no longer backed by silver and gold. So at this point, it's really just paper, okay? And so let's have conversations about having something that's really going to be actually worth something. And we don't, we don't really do that. And then, I, yes, I agree, Siobhan, that when we do find something that is of value, that can help our community, that can help us to build wealth, we don't share it because we don't want to lose our piece of the pie because if we share it, then everybody's going to hop up on it and then it's not going to be exclusive anymore. And then I may not, you know what I'm saying, be able to continue to get my wealth from it, right? So it's that crab and a barrel mentality that we have and we don't have to guess where that came from, right? And so it's still generations and generations and generations, right, impacting us the way that we were treated and the way that, you know, things were withheld from us 
for so many generations. And it's just like, when I get something, I got to hold on to it because I don't know when it's going to be taken away from me. And so that's my thoughts around that. I have me in deep thinking mode. <laughs> uh, I, I was going to say this too, just thinking about the the part of we don't share. And, you know, I'm thinking about like just this whole social media era. And it's something that my friends reasonably, I mean, I'm, I'm finding the balance get on me about because I'm such a giver. I just feel like if I know it, I'm going to tell you, I don't it's knowledge, right? But do you think because we're in the age of monetize everything, it has become a detriment. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't, like if you're teaching me something, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be paid for it. But is that like, is that to a detriment? Like, are we, because my thing that I'm thinking is, if I have this information, like, let's say I, I found out a way that we could all make a million dollars. Right. But then I come and I say, but you got to pay me 10,000. You don't got 10,000. <laughs> so I don't, so like it, have we like, have we like perverted you? I got to be paid in order to help my community. And like, cause I feel like it's such a community thing. Like, yes, I get the crab in the barrel, but like, do we not get the value of, okay, if Whitney has this little piece and Amanda and Stephanie and Kalia and Ajua and Brandy, like, do, have we missed that? And like, why have we missed the value in that? Anybody? I think Whitney, cause she got herself off mute. <laughs> but I will say quickly, yes, I think it has been perverted. But I think it goes back to this mentality of us being individualistic over being community focused. We, and this this is going into the weeds, but um, you are a product of the era that you grow up in. And I think if you look at the changing of, um, as an American, I'll speak for America. If you look at the changing of America and messaging that we were given, if people who were, who came out of like the depression era were taught very much to be community focused. But when we got into certain wars and things, the messaging was very much about us, me, my individual liberties and freedoms. And so it has created a system of people thinking about themselves, worried about themselves. And so now we aren't as community focused and we are all about what, how is this going to benefit me? How will it benefit the people who are directly connected to me and nothing else? The community is like, I'm praying for you. I'll come out if it's something really, really tragic. But when it comes down to money, I got to get it from me and mine. That's a good part. I mean, point, because I even had to just be honest, I had to, I think it was, one of the things you have put in one of the random group chat, it was like, why do you want to make a million dollars, right? Or why do you want to be wealthy or rich? And I had to think because like, if I, my aspiration is to be wealthy, then that means the generations after me and they good. But beyond that, like, have I considered my community and my so self-centered focus that I no longer consider my community. So that's just food for that. So my my wrap up is, are we team work hard or team work smarter? Work anyway. smart, period. Work 
Me not working hard for what? No. Okay. The ones who came before me worked hard. They did their dues so that I could work smart. Period. Point went work smart. I think everybody is saying work smart. Everybody is saying work smart. But it's just so interesting because we we say that, but then like we when I was listening to the podcast conversation, it was just very clear that there's this sense of honor of working hard versus my kid being a trust fund kid. And I don't know if it's a disconnect in the people who are, and I'm, I'm the people too, who are wanting to get wealth for their kids that like, I, I would find it a privilege if somebody was like, you're a trust fund kid. Thanks. You know? So I think that we, we say that, but then in the same aspect, we do look down on kids that are trust fund kids. And is it because of their behavior? Because like then they're kids. Kids out here act foolish whether they got money or not. <laughs> I just, I'll just say this. As someone who was raised in suburbia, but I spent the past, um, I've only been, I only moved down here to Georgia about six or so months ago. But prior to that, I was in Maryland for four years. And so, and that was the first time in my life that I had, been exposed to rural communities, um, people who live on, you know, however much land and, you know, people and most of the people had a trade, you know, not necessarily like, oh, I went to school and I'm working in this career, but, you know, they had a certain trade that, that they were a part of. And, you know, from where I grew up in South Florida, Ain't nobody tripping about trust fund babies. <laughs> okay. If anything, if anything, it's like, yo, I'm working. All of y'all are going into the trust, right? Versus when I was in Maryland, that was the persona of like, no, you, you've got to work hard. You got to put your hours in. You know, it, it, there was a pride in, you know, my dad built this church by his, with his bare hands from, from the ground up, you know, and we mow the lawn. Mind you, it's like, acres okay we mow the lawn ourselves and we clean everything ourselves and if the car breaks down we fix it ourselves and so I think I think it's just a matter of where <laughs> I think it's just where you grew up man and like the environment that you were around because like I said South Florida ain't nobody mowing my lawn for what like there's services for that like I let me pay you to <laughs> period Whitney trust fund me trust fund me like if you have a business where you mow lawns and you fix cars and you did it I'm just gonna hire you to do that I'm not gonna do it myself whereas um in rural areas that's looked down upon it's like well you've got two hands and two feet why aren't you doing it yourself and so I think that really like listening to the podcast like that I definitely picked that up and having been exposed to both sides I'm like oh it's it's very much so an environment thing and what's passed down you know I, I won't pull out different bits because I don't want it to sound like I'm, I'm, I'm picking on a certain aspect but I will say there, there's that different there's that underlying difference but then also like the environment is a whole different thing too. Yeah, because I I wasn't around nobody fixing their own stuff until I moved to Maryland. Like that was not a concept. It was go hire somebody, drive up to the dealership, whatever you got to do. So, but I'll I'll put it again on the record. Trust fund me. Amen. Amen to that, sister. I cannot. <laughs> okay. 
So, but no, that's a good point. I have no problem hiring, keeping the economy going. That was from Kalia. Well, ladies, uh, that's all I got because I will keep on talking about money. I'm just so fascinated by the conversation because we just don't talk about it. And then people get online and because they, I don't know, I guess they can allegedly show you that they make money. And you don't even know if these people are scammers because I'm finding out, but I am finding out people really be out here scamming. That's my problem. I be thinking the best of people, but people be really out here scamming. Like, like, did you saw, did y'all see the man who took the lady's gas, the, the lady's gas, that this older lady was pumping her gas and the guy in the next pump, she was about to pump. He took it while she wasn't paying attention and was pumping his gas. Sam University. And she asked him, because she was hot. Like, I was like, sir, you about to get a beating. Like, you don't even know you about to get a beating in 2022 by my grandma. But she was like, well, what do you do? She was like, give me my money. What do you do for your living? And you know what he said? He was like, I'm a scammer. Oh, boy. Help us, Lord. Because every day, America is a reality show. That's all I got.